Well, turn in your Bibles to Daniel chapter 7. We're continuing, of course, our study of the book of Daniel. And this book gives, not only gives us the life and the character of Daniel, but it gives us the overview of the end-time events. When you go back to Daniel chapter 2, which we saw that big statue, and then chapter 7 and chapter 8 and chapter 9, and even 10, 11, and 12 all put together, end-time events. We think about Daniel. He was a young boy taken into captivity, probably around age 14 from Israel. He was taken off to Babylon. He lived his entire life in not only the Babylonian Empire, which was at least 70 years there, there, but then he continued to live on in the Medio Persian Empire, so he spent his whole life uh, separated from his home. As we moved into Daniel 7, we come to one of the most unusual and interesting passages or sections of the Bible. In this chapter, God gives to Daniel the flow of history. Going all, it rise and fall of kingdoms, going all the way back to the time of the Babylonian Empire, which Daniel was living in, all the way to the time of what we'd call the Antichrist, a ten-king federation, the time of the tribulation, and then the kingdom, where the ancient of days, God the Father comes and gives the kingdom to the Son. So there's so many great things there. When you think about the book, the book of Daniel is really two parts. In chapter 1 through 6 is chronological meaning. In chapter 1, Daniel is about 14 years old, and when you get over to chapter 6, he's in his 90s, and so that whole time period goes chronologically from 1 to 6. But in chapter 7 through 12, it's not necessarily chronological. Most of the events happen while while Daniel is under a king called Belshazzar, which was a, a king of the Babylonian Empire, and we'll talk more about that a little bit later. But as we begin Daniel 7, or as we saw it, Daniel has this dream, and he saw these creatures, these animals coming up out of the sea, and those animals are kingdoms, kingdoms to come, as far as Daniel was concerned, and some of it is even future from us now. A lot of this has already happened, but some is for future. As we look at Daniel chapter 7, it's probably the most comprehensive, one of the most comprehensive chapters in the whole Bible dealing with the future events. It gives about the Babylonian Empire, the Medo-Persian, the Greco-Macedonian, the Roman, and then what we call the Revised Roman Empire, Ten King Federation, and the reign of Jesus Christ our Savior. We see the entire scope of Prophecy, And in fact, almost all major prophecies can be fitted, maybe in this framework of Daniel chapter 7. See, Daniel 2 and 7 actually go together, and we'll see that. The book of Daniel and the book of Revelation go together. We've seen so much just in these last two weeks, and we're going to kind of review it a little bit and then put it together. We're going to look this morning at the time we call the tribulation. And we're going to look at the one we call the Antichrist, who becomes a world ruler. Now, let me just say this for you. When people say, oh, man, I, I've heard so many bad things about the, the Antichrist and the tribulation. Oh, it's going to be horrible. Well, those of us who know Jesus Christ as Savior, we're going to talk about it in a minute. But the church is going to be taken off the face of the earth. We won't be into that. So we get information. But as far as if you know Jesus Christ as Savior, you don't have to worry about that sort of thing. This Antichrist is called the beast that rises up out of the sea in the book of Revelation, chapter 13. We understand that there's truths about the end times. Our goal is that if we look at Daniel 7, and of course then we'll get 8 and 9 and 10 and all of that fitting together, we'll see how God is in control and that God is working all things according to the counsel of his will as he raises up kingdoms and sits down kingdoms. So as we look at this, here's what we want to do. May we be encouraged knowing Jesus will rule the world. He is. He's the King of kings, the Lord of lords. May we understand how the end-time events fit together so that if you're looking at the Bible or you're talking to people, you can have an idea of how it flows. And then may we see how God deals with the Antichrist even at the end and what happens there. Well, you know, when you think about end times, and a lot of times people say, what are you studying? I say, we're doing the book of Daniel. And they say, Daniel, isn't that a bunch of end time stuff? I think, oh, yeah, it's really good. And sometimes when you talk about end times, uh, 
there's confusion because people say things like this. Well, I, I just don't think you can know it. I mean, the Bible's got all this symbolism and things and nobody can really know how it fits together. And about the only thing we know is one day God's going to rule. That's what they think. But the truth is you can know. And we interpret the Bible in what they call historical, literal, grammatical interpretation. We study a passage in its historical context. We look at the words literally what they mean, and then we see how grammatically they fit in the sentences and how they fit together. So that's what some people just call that literal interpretation. But that means we look at these passages and we see how things fit together in the Bible. We take the Bible literally, meaning that in Dan- if you go to Revelation, and don't turn there, but in Revelation chapter 20, seven times... In about five verses, it says that Jesus Christ will rule for a thousand years on this earth. Since we take the Bible literally, we actually believe that sometime in the future, Jesus Christ will come to this earth and he will rule a kingdom on this earth for a thousand years. That's what's called the historical, literal, grammatical interpretation. So when we study the book of Daniel, we see that God reveals a lot. God revealed to Daniel the flow of the end times. He used symbolism. He uses a lion coming up out of the ocean and a bear and all this. But the symbolism is referring to actual events. There are kingdoms. These are literal kingdoms and rulers and events. Even though it's pictured as a lion, it is also the Babylonian Empire. And we'll talk more about that. So last week, uh, we, we brought this point up. And I just want you to think about it. People say things like, you can't know the end time events. Well, let me just say something to you. You can know them. We're seeing them in Daniel, and we're seeing a brief overview of how they fit together. Now, to put the Bible together in all the end time events, you really need to look at the book of Daniel and Revelation and Ezekiel and Isaiah and Jeremiah and Matthew 24 and 25 and First and Second Thessalonians and the book of Jude. I mean, all of those places talk about end times in the Bible, and if you study it historically, literally, grammatically, you can put it together. Now, as we look at Daniel chapter 7, Daniel has a dream. Up to this point in time in the book, other people have had dreams and Daniel's interpreted. Now he has a dream and what happens? Angels come and tell him what his dream means. He sees the flow of the empires. Now here's the question. Why would God, and let me put it this way, why would God give Daniel this information? Why would God tell Daniel about the kingdoms to come and the end times and the Antichrist and then Jesus as the Messiah or as the king coming to take everything? Why would he do that? Because here's why. Daniel's Jewish. God's people from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob to Judah to David to Dan- all the way down, God had made a promise to them. He promised, number one, that there would be a king, that the descendant of David would be the king who would rule forever, and that they would have the land of Israel and rule there. At the time we're reading the book of Daniel, God has allowed the Babylonian Empire to come in, conquer Israel, destroy the temple, and wipe everything out. And so the Jewish people are saying, is it all over? Is God's promises going to really come true? Will one day we live in the land? Will one day there be the King of kings and the Lord of lords? And so the reason that God gives this information is to encourage the Jewish people that one day 
there will be the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And for us as well, because God not only wants the Jewish people to know the Messiah would come and rule, but he wants us to understand it as believers, as Christians, because the church, the body of Christ, we're going to be in the kingdom as well. And we want to make sure and understand what God has for us. Now, I want to remind you of something. And there's a little card that's out on the tables out there. I told you about them last week. This is what we call the, the end times view. This is how the flow of the end time events. Of course, that's the Old Testament and where Daniel lived and the Babylonians and the Medio persians the Greco-Macedonians and the Romans. And here's the time of Jesus where he dies on the cross and pays for sin and rises again. That's why we put the arrow under the cross. That's the death and resurrection of Christ. That happened at the time of the Roman Empire. And then the Roman Empire faded away, but, but not... But just a few days after Jesus died and rose again, uh, the church age was formed in Acts chapter 2. And so we are the church. We're the body of Christ. That's us now. This is where we are in time. The next event, and it could happen at any second, is what we call the rapture in which Jesus Christ comes in the clouds, not to the earth. His first coming to the earth was to die. The second coming to the earth is to reign. But in the clouds, Jesus Christ will come and will be taken off the face of the earth. That's found in 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 4. It's found in 1 Corinthians. It's found in several other places that's talking about the church being taken off the face of the earth. So all of us in this room, if you know Jesus Christ as Savior, the very next thing is that can happen and is going to happen, and we have no idea when it's going to happen, Jesus Christ is going to come, There'll be a shout, the voice of the archangel, the dead in Christ rise first. We who are alive and remain to be caught up together with them. That's second, uh, First Thessalonians chapter 4. After the rapture, we don't know what time period, but then there will be that ten king federation, which were the ten toes in Daniel chapter 2, the ten horns in Daniel chapter 7. There will be a ten king federation come. There will be one man come out of that federation. He's called the little horn. He's going to make a peace pact with the nation of Israel. He's becoming the world ruler, and this peace pact is a seven-year time period. We call it the tribulation because after the peace pact is made with Israel, there are all kind of problems, and we're going to show it later on that halfway through at the three and a half year mark, this man claims to be God and has a mark of the beast and all those things you've heard about. We'll talk more about it later. That's the tribulation time period. Then Jesus Christ comes, and we come with him. He comes to the earth. He judges the Antichrist, all of that, and he sets up a kingdom, rules for a thousand years on this earth. There's a thing called great white throne judgment. We won't talk about that this morning. And then on in eternity, a kingdom. That's the end time events. The part that we're going to be dealing with mostly this morning is this time period right there. So just realize, any second... Anytime Jesus Christ could come in the clouds and all of us who know Christ as Savior will be gone. If for some reason you do not know Christ as Savior and we're gone, trust in Christ as Savior, okay? Because you're going to be going into this time period right here. So we'll talk more about that at some other time. Now, as we study this, I want you to understand something, and we brought this up for the last two weeks, so you need to understand it, that dealing with the nation of Israel were seven Gentile world empires. Egypt, which we know at the time of Moses. Then there's the Assyrians and the Babylonians at the time of Daniel and the Medo-Persians at the time of Daniel. After Daniel died, Medo-Persians fell, Greco-Macedonians came in. That was Philip of Macedonia and his son, Alexander the Great. That were the Greeks. The Greeks slowly faded away. Romans came in, and the Roman Empire came to power and ruled for a long time. And then the Roman Empire fell away. And then what we call the revised Roman Empire is because this ten-king federation, the ten kings and the Antichrist, come out of the part of the world which was the Roman Empire. And so most people call it the revised Roman Empire. But in the future... 
one of these days, a Ten King Federation will form. That'll be, it could, the Ten King Federation could happen before the rapture, but none of the tribulation things will happen before the rapture. But anyway, this is, this is the future. So when Daniel wrote, he saw this, 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 and this. He did not know this was coming. He saw that fourth beast, and he saw it all as one. So let me show you something. Look at Daniel chapter 7. Look at verse 4. He sees these animals coming up out and their nations. Verse 4, there was a lion. It had wings like an eagle, and I kept looking. Its wings were plucked and lifted up to stand on the ground, and it had a, a, a two feet like a man, and a human mind was given to him. This is the Babylonian Empire. That's who he sees. And then the next thing he sees, this beast that is like a bear. It had raised up on the side and had three ribs in its mouth and its teeth, and it was to rise and devour. And this is the, the Medo-Persian Empire. That was the next empire that came. And then it says in verse 6, and I kept looking at it there. There was another one. It was like a leopard. Had on his back four wings of a bird, and the beast also had four heads. Well, that was the Greco-Macedonian Empire, and what we don't know, the wings are showing how fast it moved because Alexander the Great conquered the world, but after he died, the land was divided to his four generals. That's why there's the four heads, and that's the Greco-Macedonian Empire, and then he sees this fourth beast. And notice it says, and after this I kept looking at the night visions and there was this fourth beast. And notice he didn't describe it like a bear or a lion or anything. He just says it's dreadful and terrifying and strong and iron teeth and crushed everything. And then he says, and it had ten horns on its head. And so nobody knows what that looks like. Most people draw it something like this. It looks like some kind of dragon or some kind of beast and has iron teeth and claws. And the ten horns, now this beast itself is the Roman Empire, but the ten horns are going to be that future empire in which there's the little horn. We'll talk more about that in a minute, but that's the Antichrist that comes out of that thing. Now, let me show you something, and this is, uh, the church was a mystery. That's why Daniel didn't know it was really another empire in the future. We saw this in when we looked at Nebuchadnezzar's dream. There's the Babylonian Empire, the Medo-Persian Empire, the Greco-Macedonian Empire, the Roman Empire. Then there's the church. That's us. And then in the future is the ten toes and the ten kings, the ten horns. Daniel just didn't see that. The church was hidden in the Old Testament. If you'd have come to Daniel and if you'd have said, Daniel, what about the church? He would have said, I don't know what you're talking about because the church was a mystery. When you read the book of uh, Galatians and you read Ephesians and some others, Paul talks about the church being the mystery. So, anyway, that's how that fits together. Now, I want you to notice chapter 7, verses 7 and 8. Once again, he saw this, this beast, fourth beast, dreadful and terrifying. Look at the end of verse 7. He says, and it had ten horns. Now, this is the future kingdom. Now, watch. While I was contemplating the horns, behold, another horn, a little one, came up among them, and three of the first horns were pulled out by their roots before it. And behold, this horn possessed eyes like the eyes of a man, and mouth uttering great boast. This is the Antichrist coming. Now, let me tell you, the drawings, they look weird. I mean, the little horn, look, look what he, look, well, nobody knows. There's ten horns, and there's this horn, uh, you know, there's this horn that has eyes like a man and a mouth like a man. This is what he sees. He looks at it, and he goes, this horn on top of this creature Looks, it looks like a person. And that is what we would call that Antichrist. Now watch what happened. Because here's what Daniel saw at the end. Look at verse 13. I kept looking in the night vision. And behold, with the clouds of heaven, one like a son of man was coming. The son of man's Jesus Christ. 
And he came up to the Ancient of Days, that's God the Father, and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion, glory, and a kingdom, and that all peoples, nations, and men of every language might serve him. His dominion, talking about Jesus, is an everlasting dominion which will not pass away, and his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. What we find is when Jesus Christ comes, he deals with the horn, he deals with the Antichrist, and he gets rid of him, he sets up a kingdom, and that we will be in that kingdom with Jesus Christ. Now watch what Daniel does because he wants to know what's going on. Just picture this dream. He has this dream and he's asleep and, and he sees this lion come up and he sees this bear come up and he sees this leopard thing come up and he sees this other beast come up and it's got all these horns and he sees all these things and he sees this horn look like a, like a person and saying all these bad things and finally he sees the king come and he sees Jesus come and that's how the dream ends. And he wants to know. He wants to know what's going on. So in verse 15, it says, As for me, Daniel, my spirit was depressed within me, and, and the vision in my mind kept alarming me. He says, I was, I'm all messed up. So I approached one of those who was standing by. While he's in his dream, he goes and he approaches. It's probably an angel. And he says, I want to know the exact meaning of all this. So he told me. And he made known to me the interpretation of these things. Now, we saw this last week, so I won't go into a lot of details. But here's what he told Daniel. He said, the four beasts, which are four in number, are four kings who will arise from the earth. The four beasts are four kingdoms and kingdoms that are coming. And he says, here's the summary though, but the saints of the highest one will receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever for all ages to come. So simply put, there's going to be these nations coming wrong, but there's going to be one final kingdom with Jesus and we'll get to be in there with him. And last week we talked about this, we all clapped and cheered because we started saying, do you understand what that really means? That means one of these days Jesus Christ is going to rule this world in righteousness and justice and everything that we've ever experienced. One day all that's going to be gone and there will be a king and a ruler who will rule this world in righteousness and justice and that is our Savior Jesus Christ. And we get all excited about that. But then he wanted to know more. He said, he said I approached those and I, I wanted to know more and he told me about it and in verse 19 he wanted to know about this this little horn. Watch. I, I desire to know the exact meaning of this fourth beast, which was different from all the others, and it was dreadful and had teeth like iron and claws of bronze, and crushed and devoured and trampled everything, and I want to know the meaning of the ten horns that were on its head. And the other horn which came up and before them, three of them named, fell, namely the horn which had these eyes and a mouth uttering great boast and which was larger in appearance than its associates. He said, I want to know about this horn. I want to know what's going on. I don't understand that. He, and by the way, when it's all over, Daniel still doesn't understand it. And just be thankful that we have the book of Revelation and we have all this other information that helps us put these things together. And he wanted to know. And so he said, I want to know what's going on. And so look at verse 21. I kept looking. And that horn was waging war with the saints, with the believers, and he was overpowering them. Until the Ancient of Days, God the Father came and judgment was passed in favor of the saints of the highest one. And the time came and arrived when the saints took possession of the kingdom. Do you understand what that says? That not only means that Jesus Christ is the King of kings and Lord of lords, but you take possession of the kingdom. You will live in the kingdom with Jesus Christ. It'll be a thousand years on this earth. And then after that, it's what Peter calls the eternal kingdom and you will be with him. Well, he wanted to know about 
this, this horn, this, this aspect. And so he gives them the details. And I want you to understand the ten horns of the ten king federation, but there's going to one come to power. I want to just show you something. In Revelation chapter 13, verses 6 and 7, there's one coming who will make war. Let me just read something to you. I don't want you to have to turn there. Just stay in Daniel. This is in Revelation chapter 13. God describes to John. John is writing the book of Revelation. This is James and John who, who were with Jesus. John said, I saw this beast. I saw this one. And he was given to him a mouth speaking arrogant words and blasphemies and authority to act for 42 months. Does anybody know how long 42 months is? It's three and a half years. Watch. We'll see why that's important in just a minute. He opened his mouth and he blasphemed against God and he blasphemed his name and he was given to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And the authority over every tribe, every people, every tongue and nation was given to him. Now, someday in the future, there's this Antichrist coming to power. And the people who trust Christ during the tribulation time period, he will come after them. Now, for us, we don't have to worry about it. We're gone. After the tribulation starts, many people will trust Jesus Christ as Savior. And when he comes to power and claims to be God, they're going to be running for their lives. And we'll talk more about it in just a minute. And he makes war. Now, what I want you to see is... is who he is. This is the, the fourth beast, is the fourth kingdom. There he is. And when we see him, there's the ten, the ten horns and the, 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 you know, the, the ten kings and all of that stuff. And, and look in verse 23, he said, thus he said, this fourth beast will be a fourth kingdom on the earth, which will be different from all the other kings who will devour the whole earth and tread it down and crush it. As for the ten horns, there they are. Out of this kingdom, ten kings will arise. Now, some people have said, well, didn't, did this already happen? How do we know this didn't already happen? Well, when you look through history, there's never been a ten-king federation. There's never been a ten-king federation that made an agreement with Israel. There's never been one man come to power. and do, So it's never happened before. This is a future event. We call it the tribulation because it'll be the worst time on the face of the earth that's ever happened. And there is going to be this man coming to power. And it says, as for the ten horns out of the, this kingdom, this is verse 24, ten kings will arise, another will rise after them. He will be different from the previous ones, and he'll subdue three kings. The only thing we can understand there is that he's going to come out of power, out of ten kings. He's probably going to do something like kill three of the kings. He says he subdues them. We don't understand, but he comes to power. Someday in the future, after we're gone, there's going to be a peace pact made with Israel. There'll be a ten king federation, and out of that ten king federation, one man will come to world power. We don't know his name. He's called the Assyrian in the Bible. He's called the little horn in the Bible. He's called the man of sin in the Bible. He's called all kind of names. We don't know who he is. He could be alive on the earth right now. We don't know anything about it, but he's going to do all of these things. Notice Verse 20, let me show you this again, though. Let me just remind you. We're talking about this time period right here. We're gone. This is the time period on the earth. There'll be people who trust Christ after the rapture. People who were left behind are going to trust Christ after the rapture. And then this man comes to power. And what he's going to do is claim to be God. He wants to be worshipped. We'll see what happens in just a second. Look at verse 25. 
He will speak out against the Most High. He will wear down the saints of the highest one and will intend to make alterations in times and in law and they will be given to his hand for a time, times, and half a time. Now here's what he's going to do. He's going to do three things according to Daniel. He's going to blasphemy God. He's going to wear down the saints, which means he's going to try to kill the believers and he's going to try to change the time and the laws. What do we mean by that? What's he going to do? Well, the first one is he claims to be God. He blasphemies God. Look at this. This is in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 4. It says, he opposes and exalts himself above every so-called God or object of worship so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, displaying himself as being God. The temple in Jerusalem is rebuilt, and halfway through the tribulation, he goes into the temple, sets an idol up, and demands to be worshipped, claiming to be God. He blasphemies God. In Revelation 13, there was given to him a mouth speaking arrogant words and blasphemies and authority to act for how long? 42 months. That's three and a half years. That's halfway through the tribulation. He opens his mouth in blasphemies against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle that is those who dwell in heaven. So he claims to be God and wants to be worshipped as God. The second thing that he does is he wear down the saints. He can try to kill the believers. In Daniel chapter 7 verse 21 it says I kept looking and the horn was waging war with the saints and overpowering them he kills a whole bunch of people during the tribulation revelation 13 7 it was given to him make war with the saints and to overcome them and authority over every tribe and people and tongue and nation was given to him there's going to come a time on this earth when that man's going to come to power he's going to claim to be god if you don't take the mark of the beast we'll see it one of these days the 666 going to be here or here if you don't take the mark of the beast you can't buy or sell if he finds that you don't have the mark he will send people to kill believers. That's his plan. He's going to wipe them out. He's going to try to. And he has victory for a while. It looks like he may win this thing. That's what it looks like. It says, and here's the third thing, he changes times and laws. What does that mean? Because it says, and he will give, this will be given to his hand for a time and times and half a time. He begins to change things. In 2 Thessalonians, he opposes and exalts himself. He, sits himself in the, he puts himself in the temple, displaying himself as God. Now, I want you to understand something, that he does this for 42 months, three and a half years. Years. How does this fit? Let me show you something. This is the Old Testament. This is Jesus dying, rising again. This is the church. This is the rapture. After the rapture, there will be this tribulation time period. The, at the halfway mark, at the three and a half year mark, he puts his idol in the temple, claiming to be God and begins to persecute and kill all the believers. That's three and a half years. That's 42 months. He rules and claims to be God for three and a half years. That's why it says that. He attempts to change the times. Now, I want you to notice something in verse 25 when it says, they will be given into his hand for a time, times, and half a time. What does that mean? Time is a year. Time's two years. Half a time, half a year. One year and two years and a half year is three and a half years. He will rule for three and a half years claiming to be God. 
Now, it takes some time to put all this together, so I know I'm going fast, but this is what we see. I want you to understand something. This three and a half years is all throughout the Bible. Revelation 13, 5 and 6, he says he rules for 42 months. That's three and a half years. Revelation 11, 2, 42 months, three and a half years. Revelation 12, 14, a time, times, and half a time, three and a half years. Revelation chapter 12, verse 6, it's 1,260 days. That's 42 months. That's three and a half years. And in Daniel 9, 27, which we'll get to one day, it's, you're going to see it's going to be three Three and a half years. So just remember that when he comes to power, and let me show you this slide. This is our church age. This is the tribulation time period. In the first three and a half years, it's called in the Bible the beginning of sorrows because there's persecution and people are running. But halfway through, it's called the desolation of the temple. It's called the abomination of desolation, which is found in Daniel chapter 9. This is when he puts his idol up in the temple and he claims to be God. This part, this last three and a half years, 42 months, 1,260 days, that's called the great Tribulation. He claims to be God and he kills everybody he can that won't worship him. He is controlled by Satan. That's who he is. He's controlled by Satan. Watch what happens. Verse 26. But the courts will sit for judgment. His dominion will be taken away, annihilated, and destroyed forever. Revelation 19, verse 11, it says, I saw heavens opened. And Jesus Christ comes sitting on a white horse and he comes to this earth to judge and to make war. And Revelation 19 verses 19 and 20 says he comes to the earth and he takes the Antichrist and one called the false prophet and he casts them both into the lake of fire for all eternity. Jesus Christ will judge this man and these people when he comes and he will rule for a thousand years. Notice verse 27, then the sovereignty, the dominion, and the greatness of all the kingdoms under the whole heaven will be given to the people of the saints of the highest one, that's us. His kingdom will be an everlasting kingdom, that's Jesus, and all dominions will serve and obey him. In Revelation 20 verse 4, it says a thousand years, 20 verse 5, a thousand years, 20 verse 6, a thousand years, 20 verse 7, a thousand. It says it seven times. Jesus rules for a thousand years. When Jesus comes right here, that Antichrist who put his idol up in the temple at the three and a half year mark, he will be destroyed, cast into the lake of fire, and Jesus Christ will set up a kingdom, and he will rule on this earth with us, the Old Testament believers and the church age and, and, the new, and the believers who come out of the tribulation will all rule on this earth with Jesus Christ for a thousand years and then there'll be a great white throne judgment and then they'll go into eternity and it's the eternal kingdom and we will rule with Jesus for all eternity. That's good news, okay? And this is what happens at the end. At this point, he says in verse 28, the revelation ended. It says stopped. As for me, Daniel, my thoughts were greatly alarming me. I, he said, I don't know what to think. My face grew pale. He said, I felt like I was going to pass out. But I kept the matter to myself. He didn't tell anybody. He didn't tell anybody. In fact, when you read Daniel chapter 8 and chapter 9, he doesn't tell anybody. He writes it down, and it's not until the book of Revelation is put together in 95 AD that Daniel and Revelation come together where people could begin to understand how these things fit together. So in summary, 
Daniel has a dream seeing the coming kingdoms and asks the angel for details. Daniel sees four kingdoms and a future ten-king federation out of which the Antichrist will rule. During the tribulation, the Antichrist will rule the world claiming to be God and will kill believers. Jesus will come and bring judgment, casting the Antichrist into the lake of fire. And Jesus will rule on the king, on, as king on this earth for a thousand years and believers will be with him. Here we are. This, Jesus died and rose again. We're the church. One day we'll be gone. All of that will happen. Jesus comes back. We come with him and we rule with him for a thousand years. What a message from Daniel. So let me give you some applications. Let's remember that God rules the world. God is sovereign. He raises up and sets down kings. You're going to have to trust him. Sometimes when a guy in North Korea acts like he's going to press a button, you just got to rest and trust God, have confidence he's in control of all events. Even when the Antichrist comes to power, God is in control even though it doesn't look like it. Second, let us know that we'll be in the kingdom with Jesus. And let me tell you, the only way you're going to be in the kingdom with Jesus is to put your faith in Jesus Christ as Savior. So right where you're sitting this morning, if you have never understood this, if you've thought you go to heaven by trying to be good or something, whatever, listen, Jesus died on the cross for you. He paid for your sin and he rose again. If you will put your faith in Jesus Christ, he will give to you eternal life and you'll be saved forever and you'll be in the kingdom with him forever. And it's simply by faith. It is not by works. Last but not least, let's understand the end time events, how they fit together and see that. And what we see is we're here. Jesus has died and rose again. That's his first coming to the earth. He's going to come in the clouds and we'll be gone. There'll be a man or there'll be a peace pact made with the nation of Israel. And this man at the halfway mark will claim to be God, persecute, go after, kill, try to do everything he can. Jesus comes the second time and he comes to the earth as the King of kings and Lord of lords. He gets rid of that antichrist and the false prophet and everything else and rules on this earth for a thousand years, and we will rule with him. I hope and pray that you understand that. Listen, there's a lot of things to know, and you may say, I'm just now getting it. That's okay. We're going to get some more in Daniel chapter 8. We're going to get a lot more in Daniel chapter 9, and so we'll see it as it fits together. My goal for you is that you'll put these together, and you'll have an understanding of the end-time events, and you'll be excited to know that Jesus Christ will rule as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords.